Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can find my writing by following Reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Today, I'm joined by my cheesehead-loving buddy, Trevor. He is a host of the Packers Trilogy Podcast. He can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor, or as I most recently learned in Park Falls on a River, going through some rapids, which he has miraculously survived. So... Thanks for joining back here, Trevor. It's been way too long since we've talked Brewers together. Yeah, I feel like it's been a month since I've been on the podcast. (laughs) This month has been crazy. Lots of homework, lots of other activities. Like Tyler said, I was up on the Flambeau River kayaking with our other buddy Scott, one of our other buddies from school, Eric, and then my girlfriend as well. So it was the four of us. Uh, we had a three-day, two-night camping trip on uh, the Flambeau River. It was a lot of fun. Tyler doesn't understand because he needs to be in front of a TV, apparently. He can't handle being out in nature. <laughs> um, but I also asked him how this, how it's fun to go in fucking zero-degree weather with snow in your face the whole time on a snowmobile. So I guess, I guess we each enjoy a different part of... The Wisconsin wilderness, I guess. That's very true. I was going to make that exact same point. So thanks for bringing that up. And if I was really good, I'd say we both enjoy Built Bar, which you uh, miraculously have got us sponsored with. So what do you know about Built Bar, Trevor? Yeah. Um, if you First off, if you haven't had Built Bar, you need to try it. Because I'll be honest, I was skeptical at first. I listened to what seemed like six months worth of built bar ad reads by peter bukowski and i'm like yeah he's lying they're not actually that good i tried them they are actually that good i've tried like all of their main flavors uh, i think i've tried all their main flavors it is incredible the taste it literally tastes like a candy bar it is the best protein bar out there and they're still healthy they have flavors like double chocolate which is one of my favorite they have limited time flavors white chocolate covered and then it was a birthday cake with sprinkles on it like how are those protein bars that are healthy i don't know they're delicious but they are they are extremely healthy and amazingly delicious uh so if you guys want to try them we do have a promo code so make sure you go to builtbar.com check out all the amazing flavors cookies and cream cherry barcia there's a lot of amazing flair flavors and they come out with new ones all the time. So make sure you're checking that out. Um, and then use our promo code trilogy 
at checkout and you'll save 10%. And that helps us out as well. So make sure you guys do that. Like I said, you got to try it. Um, you will be hooked once you try it. They have more than just protein bars. They have additives to water that are delicious. They've got um, protein gels. Just go check them out. There's a lot of amazing, amazing stuff there. Um, so check that out as well as the Packers Trilogy podcast. Cheap plug here. Uh, I've been slacking because I've been so busy, but we will be getting an episode out next Monday. So make sure you're checking that out because it's Packers off season, but there's always news in Packers off season and in 2021, especially. Oh gosh. Yeah. What a crazy <laughs> off season for the Packers. And it's gotta be more exciting than listening to a series when the Brewers got swept, which is just not very fun to talk about, especially after been playing so well. So let's get into our game recaps here against the Reds. Game one was a 10-2 loss. There was early struggles for Lauer in this one, who allowed all four of his earned runs in the first two innings. One run cross in the first inning as the first two Reds reached base prior to a ground out to retire the runner at first. However, then a walk loaded the bases for Joey Votto, who had an RBI ground out. In the second, again, the first two runners reached, followed by a pitcher recording a sack bunt. From there, Jonathan India doubled to play to run. Jesse Winker singled in another run. And then finally, Nick Castellanos, fielder's choice, made it 4-1 to one Reds. The Brewers did get their one run in the bottom of the first when Dan Vogelbach extended his on-base streak to 10 games with a home run off a mistake pitch from Gutierrez. After that, Lauer settled down and the Reds did not score any more runs until Eric Yardley's second inning of work in the seventh inning. Joey Votto golfed a sinker at the bottom of the zone out to center field to make it 6-2. And then in the ninth, the Reds tallied four runs off Halby Milner. The offense was quiet as the last Brewers hit of the game came in the second inning and the only other base runner to reach from there to the end of the game was a walk by Christian Yelich in the sixth inning. Game two was a 2-1 to one loss, a fast-paced pitcher's duel in which there were just six total hits all game, four from the Brewers and just two from the Reds. This was Brett Anderson's first quality start in quite some time. He struck out nine batters on 82 pitches and was operating at a near-Brett Suter-like tempo. He did get some help defensively, especially in the second inning when Willie Adamas made a Derek Jeter-like jump throw to, to throw out Suarez at first base. Christian Yelich was the only Brewer to reach base early on, drew a walk in the first, and then he reached on an air in the fourth. The Brewers' first hit didn't come until the fifth inning when Omar Narvaez singled. In fact, Narvaez had two out of the four Brewers' hits, both of them being signals. And unfortunately, when we did get runners on through hits or through airs, momentum was instantly killed by double play balls. Double plays in the fourth, fifth, and seventh innings just were momentum killers. In the eighth, Anderson was pulled at 82 pitches. His spot wasn't up in the order or anything, so it was a little confusing for me there. But Devin Williams, anyway, worked a scoreless eighth. Hayter had scoreless ninth. And then Brad Boxberger just looked absolutely lost in the tenth. He began extra innings by hitting Stevenson, walking Voto, and then Ervato, and then hitting Suarez to score a run. And thankfully, he was able to escape with only one more run being scored after that. That was a sack fly, but the Brewers found themselves down 2-0 going into the bottom of the 10th. In the 10th, both Jace Peterson on 13 pitches and JBJ were retired via the strikeout. 
Daniel Robertson then singled home a run thanks to a fielding error by Nick Castellanos, which allowed Adamas to score from second base. And then Robertson advanced to second base as well, so he kind of had some life there then. But Luis Arias worked a seven-pitch walk. Things are just starting to look even better. Um, but then the Reds brought in Amir Garrett's because Hembray's pitch count was getting high, and of course Amir Garrett is facing who other than like Tim Lopes. So it's up to Tim Lopes to extend the game, and he was unable to check his swing and got called out on strike the three swinging to end it. And then game three, same score, two to one loss. I was unable to watch this one because it was a day game, but just looking at the box score, Freddie Peralta was impressive, seven innings strong, six strikeouts, and his zero walks really stand out to me. The Brewers loaded the bases in the first inning with one out and left them loaded. We did get one run in the third then. Back-to-back doubles from Vogelbach and Yelich uh, played it a run. Garcia then got beamed. And then the next three batters, of course, with runners on first and second, were all strikeouts. Pena, Peterson, Lopes. Boom. Momentum killers right there. Reds got their first run of the game in the fourth after Nick Cassianos reached on a two-out infield single and then scored off a double. From the third to the seventh inning, it was three up and three down for both teams until the Reds got things going again with two outs in the seventh. This time a Votto single, followed by a Tuckle Barnhart double, allowed Votto to score. There was a play at the plate. Uh, Votto's foot ends up hitting Pena's glove and knocking the ball out, so he was safe. Brewers did threaten to score in the ninth. Willie Thomas hit a pinch hit double with one out. But Robertson and JBJ both struck out to end the game. And it is worth noting that the Brewers struck out 17 times in Wednesday's finale, 14 times in Tuesday's game, and then 12 times on Monday night. That's 43 strikeouts over three games in which they just composed 13 hits during that same time frame. So jeepers creepers, Trevor, what on earth were your thoughts from this series? Does it have to deal around the fact the offense just sucked? Well, I'm going to start positive. So the pitching was pretty damn incredible in this series. In We'll brush by that first game for a second. But in the second game, Brett Anderson, an absolute gem. One hit, seven innings pitched, nine Ks, incredible. Devin Williams comes in, has a scoreless inning. Hader, the same thing. Now Boxberger gives up um, and gives up some runs, but and one of them was earned. But overall... Two runs in 10 innings, you know, your offense has to win you that baseball game. But it didn't happen. Great pitching in that one. Same thing in the next one. Freddy Peralta, he did give up two runs, but solid seven innings. Um, And Richards comes in and finishes it off two innings scoreless. You know, the offense has to be better. But pitching-wise, they did great. And you take away Lauer, Yardley, and Milner, there's four earned runs in this series. Or four runs given up this series by Brewers pitching. So we'll toss that first game out. But overall, I love the pitching. Um, I'll let you start venting about the offense a little bit. (laughs) Well, I'll try to stay positive first as two, because I think the biggest thing that stood to me with Peralta was he didn't walk anybody in this start. He's he's striking out a lot of batters this year, but he also, out of our big three, had issued the most walks. So I think that was really cool to see in uh, Wednesday start there. And I was a little... I just don't understand why they took Brett Anderson out, per se, at that point. He had 82 pitches in the seventh inning. He could have kept going. There was no reason to take him out in terms of a pinch hitter at all or anything. 
I guess maybe they didn't want to lose any momentum that he had by going out for the eighth inning. If he would give up runs, then he'd, then he'd kind of feel bad or whatever. But I don't know. Maybe Anderson signaled something himself, too, that he is feeling fatigued right now because he hasn't been pitching deep into games as of late. So either way, good bounce back for him. I don't even really know where to begin with this offense. I mean, we have back-to-back losses of two-to-one games. Those are those are winnable games against the Reds. I think we saw some maybe some better pitching. Gutierrez, I think, for the Reds is a lot more talented than what we give credit to. He is a rookie, though, so the league's still kind of figuring him out. And then for two games in a row now, uh, Luis Castillo has looked really good against the Brewers, and we know how dominant he can be. He just hasn't been this year, except his last two starts against the Brewers. So <laughs> go figure. So I don't know. Is there anyone in a from a specific player standpoint you want to vent about on the offensive side? Man, I feel like I've been giving him a lot of crap, but ever since the Arcia trade, he's had to step up. Now, with the Willie Adamas trade, not so much. Um, because Willie has been incredible and shout out that fucking throw. My goodness, that was incredible stuff um, defensively for Adamas. But Urias, 0 for, 0 for 10, did get on base by the walk three times, but five strikeouts. It's just not pretty. And like, I understand the people upset about Keston and him not playing very well and not definitely not playing near what we would expect of him, but Urias has not been good offensively. I feel like every time I'm on here, he's getting one hit in a series. I know, you know, that, that 219 average has got to get better. And I just, and especially now with uh, Travis Shaw out for what sounds like an extended period of time, you don't really have anyone else. So he's got to perform but he just has not done it when he's been the only guy. Uh, from the time Arcia was traded to Adamas, he didn't didn't have it, and now he's got to start at third, and he just doesn't have it. And it's got to be something's got to give here, whether it be another trade or something. He just, to me, he hasn't earned it, and it's very very frustrating to me. Yeah, I think the problem with Urias is he just goes in spurts. Like, there's times where he hits really good for a week, and then there's a series like this where, like you said, 0 for 10. And it's frustrating. Man, who does that sound like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think he's nearly as bad as Arcio was at the plate because Luis Urias actually has some plate discipline, which is nice. Uh, but, I mean, like, he's got a 98 OPS plus on the year, so that's literally two points below league average for a hitter. I think that's probably qualified for a shortstop because that's where he's played most of his game still to this point this year. Um, so there's that to take into consideration. But I think that's, I think you're right though. Like you have to think about this as a concern going forward as we approach a trade deadline, because there's times where Urias can be it, but there's also times where it's not. So getting a veteran there to lock down that position where you, you know, you're going to get some more consistency there, I think would be very beneficial for this club. And we've talked about all sorts of guys, whether it's Escobar, or Kyle Seeger, I don't think we're going to go for Josh Donaldson, uh, Colin Moran, among others are some guys to think about. But yeah, I guess otherwise for me, like offensively, I'm very frustrated with Jace Peterson again, who's continuing to get playing time. And <laughs> with a 160 average, yeah, with a 160 average, and and teams like the Reds, the series, and whoever we played last series, they figured out if you throw Jace Peterson strikes, 
he's going to get out and not draw walks. <laughs> so on base, Jace is now turning out to turning into a strikeout king, one of ten with five strikeouts this series here. So Jace Peterson is becoming unserviceable in my opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. It was not pretty offensively. Um, there's a lot of offensive players in the running for Dud, and there is none in the running for MVP, in my opinion. So definitely a struggle of a series offensively. And coming out of a stretch when they were scoring consistently, you look back, we'll just go back the last two series, five runs, seven, seven. Seven, three, five. Against the Diamondbacks, going back a little further, two, seven, five, seven. What happened? <laughs> like, all of a sudden, the Reds pitching just shuts you down. It just, and now we score a total of four runs in the series. It's just really, really frustrating. Um, I know it's just a series, so it's not the end of the world, but kind of sucks that it, it was against a division rival. Um, and, we need them to break out of it in the next series, and it's a good thing they're in Colorado, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to Colorado in a little bit. That's a there's a another weird issue with the Rockies this year, uh, but yeah, we got to snap out of it. I mean, it looked like Dan Vogelbach was starting to come around after getting a little bit more consistent playing time, like entering the series. He's on a 10 games reaching base safely in a row streak. That was going back towards like Memorial Day weekend. He had that snap to the series. He actually is drawing more pitches per at bat than Christian Yelich, who is walking an insane amount. And when you combine like Urias, Vogelbach, and then Yelich, who all see a ton of pitches, one, two, three in the order, that's kind of cool to think about. Uh, just things did not really pan out this series. And like you said, it, you could almost circle everybody as a dud offensively in this series. But, okay, as long as we're on that topic, if you had to pick one, who would be your dud? Uh, I mean, because he stood out to me and he was the one I wanted to gripe about right away, I think I'm going to go with Urias. And, again, part of that is his role. He needs to be out there and he needs to play. So it's extremely frustrating when he goes 0 for 10 with five strikeouts. That's just something that needs to get better. I think Jace was a close second. There just really wasn't a lot of excitement offensively at all. Um, you know, I don't know if I want to put him on my, my honorable mentions for duds, but I will. Uh, five strikeouts for Christian Yelich in nine at-bats. Granted, he did get three walks, but five strikeouts? Two of nine? Come on. <laughs> like, we need you to put the ball in play. You're not Christian Yelich. You are an all-world player. We need you to get the ball in play or get on base via the walk because these strikeouts are frustrating, and they're especially frustrating when they come from an MVP caliber player. And and five of them in a series, I am not okay with that. Two, three, fine. Five, no thank you. Yeah, I think he had three in the finale, so that kind of wrapped up that or increase that strikeout total for the series anyway. But it is interesting, Yelich is walking at a 21% clip this year, which is an insanely high number, uh, even higher than last year when he like was just afraid to swing the bat. So uh, interesting stuff there out of Yelich. I think if I had to choose one dud for the series, 
I'm just going to go with Brad Boxberger because these are like relative and he gave, he ruined our best shot at winning a game this series when he came in an extra innings, plunked a batter, walked a batter, and then plunked in the winning run. It's like, that was just super frustrating. And he just did not have his command whatsoever. And he had been pitching really good up until that point, but would have been nice to, to win that game, I think. So, yeah. And I, I feel like, just because of a weird stat line, he deserves the dud. Uh, one earned run, two runs given up total, uh, but no hits. How the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> How do you give up two runs and not give up a hit? Like that's just that's just a messed up weird stat line, and I can I can see why you put him on the dud list. Tyler. <laughs> well, yeah, the first three batters he faced, he didn't get a single out, and then all of a sudden, like. The flip of a switch, boom, he gets the next three reds out and somehow Alonzi ends up giving two runs after he had the bases loaded with nobody out. The <laughs> Very, very weird. But you're right. He has been pitching pretty good this year. You look at the season ERA, 293. Uh, that's not something I really expected from Boxberger, but if, if this is the worst outing we get from him, we're looking pretty good because I thought he might just be a kind of throw-in could it could give you some some nice innings i didn't expect him to be a sub three this far into the season so he's been a pleasant surprise for me even though he definitely deserves some jokingly being made fun of in this series because of just a weird weird stat line oh yeah um if i I guess if we have to pick an mvp which it's always hard to when you get swept i think for both of us it's probably going to be between brett anderson and freddie peralta and i'm going to go with Brett Anderson, I was just, he stood out to me because his tempo was a lot faster. He just looked like he actually wanted to be out there in the pitcher's mound and like he was in control, (laughs) Um, which he hadn't looked like in the last however many, you know, five, six starts it felt like since he came back from that hamstring injury. And hopefully this is something for him to build upon uh, going forward. Yeah. So before we get to the Rockies, I want to bring something up, Tyler. So I want you to remind me. Um, but for my MVP, I'm going to go with Freddie. And part of that is I was just going to pick the opposite of whoever you picked because one of, they both deserve this honor. In my opinion, they were the best players in a Brewers uniform in this series, save for maybe Josh Hader, uh, maybe throw Devin Williams in there too. Like they were incredible. Like you mentioned earlier, Tyler, the, no walks is a very exciting development for Freddie Peralta. Um, so that's why I think he definitely deserves this. Even though he did give up the two runs, seven innings pitched, five hits, six Ks, again, the no walks. Um, that's a big time outing. And he is really absolutely cementing himself as a legit three in this rotation. And it just makes me dream of the next four or five years with, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and you feel comfortable with that. We just, now that we have our pitching figured out, we got to figure out the whole offensive side of the, the, <laughs> the, the equation here because it, like we mentioned, we complained about it almost all podcasts. It's just not good offensively. <laughs> or maybe it was just this series, yes, but but we got to get that offense back. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just this series or maybe we're going back to more of our mean, because as you mentioned earlier, we had been hitting the ball before this. <laughs> so yeah, just for like it. three series straight, they were constantly getting on the board. So yeah, maybe regression to the mean a little bit. So hopefully we get back at least to the mean rather than 
significantly below it in this series. Yep. And speaking of regressing to the mean, as we transition to the Rockies here, this is what I was mentioning is really weird about the Rockies. So they're coming off a sweep of the Padres. So, okay, they're playing some good some good baseball. But at home, they're 23-14 and 14 this year. On the road, 5-27. and 27. Absolutely dreadful. And we're playing them at home. So I think hopefully we will uh, be able to get the offense going again. Uh, but what are you thinking about with this Rockies series coming up? Um, it, that's a very interesting stat line. And I'm hoping that we get some, you know, we get that pitching rotation to kind of calm them down a little bit at home. And hopefully it helps uh, boost the offense a little bit and gets them going again. But it's promising when you have, Woodruff and Burns starting out the series. Obviously, Lauer on Sunday scares me. And then Hauser, to me, is kind of a, a coin flip. But being in uh, Colorado, it's going to be tough, I think, for him to have a good outing. But if Woody and Burns can start us off and and then they get some run support for because they are in Colorado, um, get the offense going into the games where you're not so confident in your starters. But I like our chances. It's just it. It really, to me, comes down to this offense because I have faith in Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns starting it out, getting the confidence in the offense that they can do it, and then hopefully that helps uh, boost them through the back end of this series. Yeah, I agree. I I think this is a good stretch to be using the six man rotation, as I mentioned, because we have so many games in a row without a day off which I, I get it, you know, they might use this up until the all-star break, but definitely not something I want going uh, past that or beyond that. And yeah, it's going to, it's hopefully it turns out to be, I don't know if I want to say I want it to be a slugfest because I want to see Woodruff and Burns pitch well. I want to see them do well in Colorado. I think that's, you know, everybody wants to see that. And, you know, for the Rockies this year, it's Ryan McMahon, who is kind of their leader, 16 home runs, 43 RBIs. It's not necessarily a name we've heard in years previous. Usually used to Arenado, who's no longer there, Trevor Story, who may be slowing down a little bit anyway. So, yeah, Rockies series is coming up here. And you were mentioning how just dominant Josh Hader was, uh, not only this last season, but all year. Uh, so what more do you got to add on Josh Hader? Yeah, he's incredible. He has been for four years now. And I don't think it's that bold of a prediction, but I just wanted to say this. The Brewers are going to have four NL reliever of the years in a row. The way Josh Hader is pitching, he's got a .65 ERA right now. He's incredible this year. He has been incredible all year. And I fully expect the Brewers to have four in a row. It's mind-boggling to think that the starting rotation is that good and the back end of the bullpen is that good. Um, I just really hope that we can put it all together this year and Stearns make some moves offensively to figure this out because we have the top-end starters, we have the top-end late relievers, and we have these guys that are figuring it out in different roles, Brad Boxberger being one of them, that's, you know, figuring out his role, pitching well in the role that he has. Um, you know, we'll continue to see some of these other guys come in and, and pitch well for what they need to be doing. You know, can Strickland be a guy that is just solid for you? Can 
Trevor Richards be a guy that is just solid for you, that gives you some beef. Well, not really beef, but, you know, feel comfortable with in the middle of that road or middle of the bullpen. And you got the high end guys, like I said, both after them and before them. And you're feeling really, really comfortable if Stearns can figure out this offense, because if they figure out this offense with this pitching staff, you know, uber elite high end first and second starter, a really big up and comer in Freddie Peralta, you're feeling really comfortable with your top three going into postseason for your starters, feel really good about the back end. And as long as this offense figures it out, to me, this has to be a run. This has to be one of our runs. This has to be, you know, let's get past the Dodgers in the NLCS type of thing or the Padres or whoever's there. This is a season I think they can do it because they have such high-end talent that starts with Hayter and Williams, that continues with uh, Woodruff and Burns, and now Freddie Peralta. It's just really exciting, and I, like I said, I think Josh Hader's going to bring home the fourth consecutive NL reliever of the year this year. And also he's going to throw the final pitch in the MLB this season. And finally the Milwaukee Brewers are going to win the world series. That's my bold prediction, Tyler. I'm calling it right now, June 16th. That's where we're recording this. It's happening. That you know, that is really bold given like all of Milwaukee is just like completely disappointed in the Bucks collapse from the other night and we're going through that vicious Wisconsin sports cycle. <laughs> I, I don't want to bring up painful Scott, memories, but Scott yeah. needs to calm down. He gets me all down because he is just so dramatic. But yes, it was frustrating the Bucks lost, but they win the next two and not including last night, but They won two in a row in this series already. They won four in a row in the first round. They're going to come back, win the series in seven, and we're going to get a rejuvenated high. They're going to win the finals, and the Brewers are going to win the World Series, and Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. So, (laughs) Oh, geez, man. All right, June 16th. You heard it from Trevor first. All that's going to happen. Uh, okay, well, I guess one last thing. I don't know how closely you're following all of, like, baseball cracking down on substances that pitchers are using to help increase their spin rate at all or not, but they're now going to be doing, like, random checks, and umpires can go check, you know, before games, middle game, or, you know, whatever, and we've seen, like, pitchers who are typically high spin rate guys, like um, Garrett Cole, and his numbers went way down. Trevor Bauer, his spin rate's going way down right after the MLB announced this. So far, all the Brewers starters have remained pretty well consistent. There was one random start where Corbin Burns's cutter wasn't nearly as good, and I think that was two starts ago, or maybe it was last start. I can't exactly remember. Um, but, you know, the Brewers value high spin rates. Burns being the best. Freddie Peralta's a high spin rate guy. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is up there as well. Is there any concern on your end with this going forward? I mean, you saying that their numbers stayed relatively the same outside of one start, which, you know, you see it if you watch enough baseball and watch the same guy enough times, you know, some days they just don't have it flat out, whether that's offensively or pitching. Sometimes they just don't have their best stuff. And that's all of us in all of our work, you know, 
there's just some days you just don't have it and you pick it up and try it the next day and, and try to do better and all those types of things. So one start that Corbin Burns' cutter was a little bit lower spin rate does not have me concerned at all. I think the Brewers, um, based on that information you gave me, I imagine their spin rates are going to be fine, which means I imagine their pitching staff will be will be fine. Yeah, I hope so as well. I think it's like June 21st is like when they start enforcing more strict rules or checks or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I guess that'll be, you know, at least, you know, from June 21st till the All-Star break, you'll have a, a big sample, big enough sample size there to maybe draw a conclusion on what exactly is going on. So just something to keep in mind, especially because lots of brewers use high spin rates. But we're going to leave it at that here for today. We will be back to recap the Rocky series. It is a four-game series, so Thursday through Sunday. All four of those games, we will recap. That podcast will be coming out on Monday, the 21st. So until next time, we will talk to you later, Burr fans. Trust in Stearns. <laughs>